Well, everybody, welcome. We are with Dr. Glenn and Phyllis of The Connection Codes. You guys founded a practice that takes four minutes that absolutely revolutionized Cam and I's marriage, but it's not just a marriage tool. It is a human connection tool. So I just want you to talk a little bit about what The Connection Codes is and your story behind it and how, how it came to be. Well, part of it we want to emphasize that we are really the founders. We're not the inventors or the creators. Uh, this was something that we discovered through a lot of effort, a lot of research, a lot of experience. Uh, but this is just based on the human condition, based on the human experience, not something that we made up. It's designed to simply reflect what is already true, which is part of the power of it, is this is not a new language that people need to learn. This is a language they already know. They've just forgotten it. We're all born with this. We call it coding. You know, you're hardwired a certain way. You're to function a certain way. And we're just getting people back to that, which is the beauty of it. Because people can learn Japanese. They can learn Russian. They can learn all sorts of foreign languages. It's going to take them a bit. But if we said, well, you have to learn this language before you can connect in deep relationship, you'd be like, Ugh, okay, I guess I need to get started. But it's going to take you a year or two to become fluent in a foreign language. But this is actually the language of your birth. You just need to relearn it. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about the story behind how it started for you and, and why this is something you guys are so passionate mm. about. Yeah. Well, it grew out of our pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Tell them about that because you're really good. Well, at we've been married for 38 and a half years. Yeah. And um, I think that for us, uh, you know, we had all those good intentions. Mm-hmm. When we first married, we we were high school sweethearts. And we really thought, that we had all that chemistry, all that magic that takes you into marriage. And we just had such a huge disconnect on our honeymoon. And I think that that set us up to be in a, in a place, a dark place for a really long time. And we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the tools. We didn't know how to get the tools. And, you know, for us, the the major disconnect on our honeymoon had to do with sex. And it was like, wow, that's even more of a topic you don't talk about. You don't know who to talk to. And even reading, like, and of course, back in the day when we married, um, you know, we didn't have Google. But even now, it's like even when you're Googling something that has to do with sex, it usually takes you into all kinds of directions that you don't want to go into. So you don't trust the information. And... So I think that um, for us, there was so much pain in the early days. And then when we finally started getting some help, we realized that there were so many couples who were in the same boat that we had been in. And we were like, how can we change this? How can we turn this around so that people don't have to start off with so much pain? And, you know, before we were married, you know, there's the, the, the all the wedding showers and all the things that you do, even like months and months before the wedding. And you spend so much time and money on preparing for this one day. But even in like premarital classes or even premarital counseling, often sex is not mentioned at all. uh And so we thought we had done everything we were supposed to. And we had the best showers and we had the right, all the right kitchen where and all that stuff <laughs> fantastic yes. this is gonna be great yes you know and we were like we were both you know responsible we had good jobs we had even bought our first house right when we got married like everything on paper looked so good but we connected so hugely over sex that that became this incredible pain source mm-hmm. and so it took us years to figure out that men and women are different that sex for men and women are different. Like there were so many basic things that we were like, why did no one tell us this? Mm. Why did no one talk about this? And, and even in the, you know, the place where we grew up, all that was ever mentioned was, you know, that sex is wrong before marriage. And so that was it. And, but no one came along as beside us and said, Hey guys, this is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to celebrate this. This is supposed to be fantastic for both of you. It was supposed to be uh, enjoyable for both of you. Like no one ever said that. And so we really missed on that in a big way. Mm. And then by the time we we turned this around, it's like we had so much damage already done Mm. that it took years of just undoing the damage. And then I think we kind of woke up one day almost realizing, wow, if we don't talk about this, this will never change. Uh Uh-uh. 
in our society and in our, you know, culture, it will not change. And so we just also, oh, I guess about 10 years in after for us, our closest friends were starting to divorce and we were like, okay, what has happened? We were all so crazy about, you know, the, the person we were marrying and now they're just falling like, they're falling like flies. And it was, it was so painful for us to see friends going through divorces and, you know, they all had children. We saw the aftermath of it all. And we're like, man, if we can survive what we went through, why are they not surviving? And so we started asking more questions and, and went down that road with people. Yeah. And initially just kind of out of morbid curiosity, we're like, what happened with them that didn't happen with us because we lived so disconnected in so much pain all the time. So we're like, you can only max out on pain. You know, how, how much pain can you experience? And so we began just asking questions again, initially just out of curiosity. And so people would give the standard answers. You know, we grew apart, you know, we fell out of love. Well, then we would ask the follow-up question, which was actually, we now know was the, the key to it. We go, wait, what does that mean? You, you fell out of love, like, like on a Friday at 6 PM. I mean, cause at some point you fell in love allegedly. So when did you fall out of love? You know, Oh, we grew apart. Well, you started growing together. That's why you went on the second date, the third day. That's why you showed up voluntarily for your wedding day. So when did you start growing uh, apart? You know, a Monday afternoon at three, what happened that you started growing apart? And so we started getting answers to that. Again, initially, there was no mission statement or business plan or anything. We're just thinking, we're just curious what what happened with them that didn't happen uh, with us. And so initially, just curiosity then a quest and then a mission and now it's our passion because we finally figured out a number of years ago what causes people to disconnect Mm -hmm. and when we finally figured out just scientifically what causes people to disconnect and phyllis one day asked she says well what if we flipped it upside down and that's what causes people to connect and i was like "Hmm, let's evaluate this and again massive amount of research and experience Went into that to go, well, I'll be darned. Yeah, you flip it upside down, and that's what causes people to connect. So we now know how to get Phyllis deeply connected with Glenn, how to get Glenn deeply connected with Phyllis. And that's what grew into, evolved into the, well, what we now call the connection codes. Wow. And I have so, so, so many questions. And Cameron and I, I, I just feel like we should pause here and give the plug <laughs> because connection codes, like I said, the reason we're doing this is. Cameron and I did connection codes. Mm. It was referred to us by Allie and Lau Phillips. Also, not just them. I mean, there's been two or three mm. other people that said, hey, have you guys done connection codes? Mm. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, everyone's doing this. We must be missing yeah. something. Um, and so we, you know, signed up and did the, It's it was a four-week webinar, mm-hmm. um, the foundations course for connection codes. And this four-minute exercise that they call the core emotion right. wheel, which when you do commission this whole connection codes, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm. It completely revolutionized the way Cameron and I connect. Mm. And I would say before, like kind of the great part of where we were at is we've been through some rough stuff before. Mm. And so it feels like in the last couple of years, it's been more honeymoon stage, more like the joy and all that is coming back because we're not Mm. battling health issues. Um, but still there was some disconnects of, I would say something and I could tell it wasn't clicking and and then he would say something and I was like, I, I'm confused and why you're so upset. I, I don't see the issue. I don't see the problem. And so it's because I personally don't like to hear anything emotional. I like, let's just mm. keep things happy and joyful and let's move wow. on. Cause that, that stress, I don't like that. That's anxiety. Mm. That's, you know, depression. Maybe I don't know. I don't want any of that. Um, and so then Cameron never felt heard. So this wow. exercise helped us a ton, um, just to, to, to hear what was actually going on. Mm. Um, and so then the, so to pause there, we decided, hey, this is great for married couples, but let's can we can we do this for our single friends? Because mm. we happen to hang out with a lot of single people and there's no resources. Yeah. There's there's plenty of resources for married mm. couples. You know, I wouldn't say I've ever done one that I've liked as much as connection codes, but mm. they are out there. You can find them. Um but I thought, wow, there's really nothing you know, I know single business people and single people that right. are having yeah. they're having they're struggling connecting with their family members Mm -hmm. and this is just as important um and what i was saying yesterday is i think this is knowing connection codes is more important in my opinion than knowing your enneagram type Mm. or knowing your um love language which Mm. i know you have an opinion on that which i really enjoyed your your view on that as well but um so yeah what i want to kind of plug here is february 2nd 
starts the singles webinar. It's four weeks. It's $99. And we were talking last night that how you can do it, it's $99 for four sessions. That's literally $25 a session. It's so underpriced, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. for the wisdom and the research that is being poured Mm -hmm. out and how much this will revolutionize you. And just the way you connect in general. And we were talking about how, you know, most people spend $99 on coffee Mm -hmm. in a month. Most people don't bat an eye at spending $99 on shoes, which will come and all of that will come and go. Um, So I think it's so worth it just Mm -hmm. if you do it by yourself. Also, um, you guys have given us the permission. If you have a friend Mm -hmm. who wants to do it with you, you guys can buy one one webinar and do it together. Get get a few people together because there's yeah. moments where they'll pause. Anyway, so it's eight o'clock to nine thirty, and then they do questions February second, and so that's Tuesdays, the Tuesdays of February, mm. and then for foundations class, which is a geared a little bit more towards couples, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. starts on Thursdays. I believe it's the fourth of February mm-hmm. is the first yeah. one, and again, same time frame. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't say enough about mm-hmm. it. We're gonna be hosting the singles ones. But if you guys are married or coupled and want to do it, I mean, I literally can't sing your praises enough. Mm. I'm very, very excited Mm. to just be able to partner with this mission and what you guys are doing. Um, And for married people, I what I said before, and you might have heard me already say this, is people, the average low price point of a wedding is $10,000. $99 is like Mm. less than 1% of that. And that's just to keep it healthy. Like you were right. saying, you spent right. all the money on the shower, all the time, right. all the photographers, all of that. Um, but then, you know, the divorce rate's 50%. Right. So we're not above it. I'm not right. above it. Cam's not above it. You guys, you know, maybe at this point you guys are above it. But <laughs> um, but it really, I think when you start realizing that um, it's, it's as soon as you start saying, oh, we never would do, we would never we would never. That's when you start to walk dangerous waters. Yeah, and I've never been to a wedding where that was their plan. We're going to be ecstatically in love for six months to two years, and then we'll probably just things will dissipate. And, right. you know, two years from now, we will either hate each other or just kind of be, you know, roommates, whatever. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that in a wedding presentation, wedding vows. But that's what happens. It's my theory. We don't have a lot of clear data on this, but... I think probably 80 to 90% of marriages are unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the big questions we ask in surveys is, number one, are you living what you hoped for on your wedding day? Yeah. Virtually everybody says, well, no, not really, yeah. uh, or definitely not. And then the second question is, is this what you hope your children get to experience? Oh, and wow. virtually everybody goes, no, oh, wow. not at all. That's... Well, that says unsuccess to me. You know, we had mm-hmm. a vision. You know, on our wedding day, we were like, oh, my gosh, this is just ecstasy. This is a fantasy land. We're living happily ever after and that lasted for a few hours uh, afterwards and we're startled at you know what happened Mm -hmm. and i have to mention too that we're so passionate about this because we get to live it we know what the pain is that we experienced 30 years ago 35 years ago and we remember that and we're like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it's so intense and i don't think a couple has to go through that and that's part of our mission and our passion Mm -hmm. but to get to live what we live now blows our mind like literally every day we wake up and we're just startled, like, dang, this is real life. And if you had said that to me 30 years ago, I probably would have punched you or something because <laughs> I was like, that's not true. The working definition mm-hmm. of marriage is this, what we had. Mm-hmm. We didn't know otherwise. And now to get to share what we share is just stunning for us wow. continuously. Wow. You know, I think uh, what we've realized is that there's such a misunderstanding about emotion And, you know, that's a lot of the foundation of the connection codes is understanding the science behind emotion. And that has been life changing for me because I married someone who I would have labeled, oh, very emotional. And he for years I said, oh, he has enough emotion for both of us. I don't need emotions. Well, the science of that is ridiculous. And, you know, even in these webinars, we talk about if someone said, well, I don't need oxygen. You know, he takes up all the oxygen. I don't need any. It's like, well, that's not true. Your body needs oxygen. And so uh, I just so misunderstood emotions. And I, and, you know, there are people who say, well, I was taught emotions are a sign of weakness. And that's a really strong belief system that you've got if that's where you're coming from and to to learn the science to learn that our brain has five regions that fire emotions i would say the average person and the above average person does not know that 
and that we are more thinking that uh, emotions happen to us instead of realizing our brain fires emotions. And so to understand, and, and we love that we often talk about children, you see them so beautifully in children, so genuine, so free. And uh, our, our oldest daughter, they have five children, and she was at a coffee shop today riding, and um, a, a little one, so it was, it was a coffee shop where every, there were a bunch of people there, like, on their laptops just trying to get work done. And then there was one mom that had come into the coffee shop with this little, probably two-year-old. And that two-year-old, even though the two-year-old was not bouncing off the walls, but had so much energy that it permeated all over the coffee shop. And at one point, uh, this little one walked past our daughter with this huge smile on her face. And it struck our daughter, and she wrote about it and posted it, I think, on her Instagram. And she just said... As I looked into that little girl's eyes, I said t to her, or, or you know, thought to say to her, "Don't ever lose that voice. Mm, yeah. Don't ever get quiet." Mm -hmm. You know, because when 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 we see that in children, they're so confident, they're so outspoken, those little ones, and then at some point they start getting quiet, and and I know that's part of my story in growing up with a big family. I was the youngest of eight. I just learned early on in life that it's better to um, be quiet and stay out of the way. Then you don't get in trouble and you, uh, you know, there was never room for me to have an opinion. I mean, there was just too many, too many kids in the family. Like, it didn't matter if I was hungry or tired or cold because there was too many other voices yelling. And so it was better for me to just stay quiet. I knew eventually I'd get dinner or lunch and eventually I would be able to, you know, go back and get a blanket or a coat. It was better just to be quiet. And so I brought that into my marriage, not realizing you just lost your voice. Wow. You had a voice, you just lost that voice. And then I married someone who had such a big voice and so many more words in his day than I did that it was like, ah, I don't know what I think or feel or anything. And it didn't seem to matter to me until I got much, much older in life, and then I had to face the fact that, wow, I have suppressed my emotions. And so even with large, like I lost my dad at, at, at 25, I lost my mom um, at 50, and that amount of grief, I, I just didn't know how to handle because I did not know how to, to really tap into my emotions or how to process them. And so I think even in our faith-based world and, and, and our own beliefs, we often are so confused about um, things like shame and fear and anger and, and, so, and guilt. And, and we don't realize you have a region in your brain that fires that. And so we are uncomfortable with that. And we, you know, have so often put it all in a box and have just tucked it away somewhere. So, this webinar really teaches you the science behind it and then how to practically just look at your own life in it. And then the tool that we've mentioned, the four-minute tool, is the core motion wheel. And that is just a simple tool to get us back in touch with our emotions and to figure out what really is happening for us. And it's very powerful. And when you use it within relationships, whether it's your spouse, your children, it works amazingly with children or with your friends, it's like the coolest way to know what's really going on. Yeah. And, you know, we've had people even use it in their businesses because there's so often where you spend so much time in a business meeting arguing with someone because you really don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. When you start the meeting, just going through the wheel, then you realize, oh, wow, he's in a really bad spot. And so then you understand where they're coming from. And it, it's like, okay, now I know why you're so distracted because this is going on in your life. Yeah. So... The tool is very powerful, and but I love that about the four-week webinar that we've we've broken it down in a way that you can digest it and then you can apply it yes. immediately yes. to your relationships and what's happening in your world, which is really cool. Yeah, and in all fairness, I should mention that you know this grew out of marriage therapy. It grew out of marriage counseling. I've been in marriage service for a long time, and when people the first time that somebody used the core motion wheel with their family with their children. Uh, and they sent us an email, and that was how it started. It says, we use it. I was like, oh, no, there's a lawsuit, you know, <laughs> in the works here. 
And then as we continue reading the email, they sent pictures and stuff as far as how their whole family atmosphere had changed. And they had nine uh, children. And we're like, wait, what? This works with children. And then people started using it in schools. And then people started using it in businesses. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a horrible <laughs> idea. And, again, it's just successful. And finally it dawned on us that, oh, all these scenarios involve humans. And humans function this way. And it doesn't matter what the setting is. And it was really clear to us initially in a partnered pair. No, it's true with any setting. And now we're working with people internationally all over the world. And it's cross-cultural. It's cross-language. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is the thrill of it, and it's because it's based on the human condition. This isn't a theory, and you know, you mentioned the Enneagrams and love languages. If those help people, I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. The trick is that all of those are results-oriented. We're examining where people are today. Yeah, but what happens for them? Mm -hmm. Just because we recognize that, oh, well, she's a two, he's a seven, she's a nine, he's a three. Mm -hmm. Well, what are they going to do, though, mm -hmm. tonight? What are they going to do tomorrow whenever they're struggling with their connection? It doesn't matter if she's like, oh, well, I'm a nine, I'm a nine, I'm a nine. Well, okay, you are, I, I hear you, but I don't know how to connect with you. You know, oh, well, my love language is this and yours is that. Okay, but what are we going to do now? And that for us is the beauty of the connection codes is that we want people to know what to do next, literally in the next 10 minutes, literally in the next hour, literally this afternoon, literally tonight, tomorrow. I want them to know what to do because it's not a question of intentions. People don't need better intentions. People need better tools. They simply don't know how. We all had this when we were 12 months old. We all knew how to connect with people. We all knew how to be authentic. We all knew how to be vulnerable. Somewhere along the way, we got reprogrammed. We never got recoded, but we got reprogrammed, and we got knocked off course by who knows what, people, interactions, search situations, uh, events, uh, and we just want to get people back to their original coding because that's how we connect uh, deeply uh, in relationships. That's so good. And, and I feel like we could talk more and more and more about the connection codes like and we will we'll, mm. we will definitely circle back because it is just so so important. And I think for me a big reason why I wanted to do the connection codes is because I really wanted to do the late night. Mm. Um and the late night <laughs> is I mean, you can talk. I, I'd rather you intro what the late night is. Um, Cam and I just watched the first one last night. And, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, we're talking about orgasms. And I was like, yes, this is what the church needs. This is what, not just the church, this is what humans need. Um, but I know for sure, like what we were talking about, about shame and all that, right? It's like, okay, you've learned to be quiet. You know, okay, you've learned to just do this, do that. But then at the same time, Who's been teaching us about sex? Who's been teaching right. us? Definitely not the church, unless it's just don't do it. Right. Um, and I'm not just speaking to Christians in this. I I'm saying like most people are like, no, 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 don't do right. that before marriage. And yeah. then then it's the marriage bed and, and we know nothing about what we're doing. Mm. And I, I mean, I've heard countless stories mm. of people just saying like it was awful. Yeah, I hated it. And right. then after that, yeah. then they didn't want it. But then the husband's like, well, this mm. is all I want. And so it's just like, well, just lay there and submit, right? right? And we throw that term right. around. And so I just want you guys to kind of like unashamedly just kind of go after that topic. Like what do you see the misconceptions and, and all that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, even based on our story, when we started talking about this topic, we started from sex. We started talking about sex and we did that for years and even did, you know, workshops and things. And then we realized, okay, if you miss the emotional connection, you are missing such a huge ingredient that then to jump and talk about the sexual connection without that is we found it didn't work. And so that's, it's almost like we took a sabbatical for about, eight years. Um, and actually Glenn went back to school, got his doctorate in sexology. Uh, and during all of that time and research is when the connection codes was really developed because he saw that even having a doctorate in sexology, it still was, there was still that beginning part that was so vital that was really missed. So that's why, you know, we, we understand now how clearly people have to have the emotional connection, which also gives you the voice to say uh, what's happening for you. And I think that in, and then, you know, we love and enjoy the, the late night webinar so much because we also know that, that people 
miss the education of it, miss the misunderstanding. Think so many people, maybe more so women, think they're broken and that something is wrong with them instead of realizing, no, it's really that y'all don't know what you're doing and that women and men are very different and that the way we experience um, sexual interaction is so different. And, and so in a very lighthearted and yet very straightforward way, we talk about sex and we, yes, we jump into orgasms right away because there is such a just misunderstanding and miseducation on the difference between a male orgasm and a female orgasm. And there's so many women who are sexually involved that are not having great orgasms or orgasms at all. But who do you say that to? Who do you talk about? You feel so no broken. One. Yes, you feel so broken. You've, you, you know, there's shame in that. And you're going, I can't tell anyone that, you know. And it's almost like, uh, you know, there's almost a joke about faking an orgasm. Mm -hmm. Why did that ever, why, who invented that, everything about that? Well, it's because that's a, it's almost like a safety thing. Like if I can just fake it, then I don't have to ever admit that I'm not having them. Wow. And I, you know, and, and it's kind of that, it's like a, a sad joke that really should have never been even a joke because it's just too real. It's too raw. And that even, uh, you know, in, in teaching about the female orgasm, we get so much feedback that just women who go, I never knew I could have a multiple orgasm in the same encounter. Mm. And it's like, what is that about? How, why am I missing that? And it's, it's kind of going well, because you think once you've had one, just like with the, the male, <laughs> one, and done. one and done, one and done and passed out, like totally done where, and so for a female, you think, well, if it took longer, so there's guilt in that. It's like, oh, I'm so slow. No, we all are. But you think there's something wrong with you. So it takes you a while. It doesn't take him a while at all to get there. But once you finally get there, you think, okay, that's it. I finally had one. Instead of realizing, well, hang in there. You can have multiple. There's really no limit. You're, you might finally just get exhausted yourself and be like, okay, I think I'm done. Just because you're exhausted. But there's not a, oh, yeah, women are allowed three. It's like. No, there's, it can go on and on and on. And each time can be so different. And so that's the other thing I think we don't even understand about ourselves that can really get us uh, frustrated and, and our, you know, our spouse is frustrated if we're thinking, well, last week this worked and this week it's not working. And just to realize, yeah, that's called female. <laughs> like we, you know, our bodies are so unpredictable and, and what felt good last week or got us to that orgasm may not, may not get us there this week. And so, uh, yes, we, we jump right in in week one, and that's incredible because we show, even with a chart, just the difference of, of what a female orgasm can look like versus yeah. what a male orgasm yeah, can. And there, of course, there's so much variation from female to female, and that's not all that true for males. Uh, I mean, they're, every male is a unique human being, but males are pretty similar, and the the male knows and hopefully the female learns what will rock his world tonight she doesn't have to go google it or anything uh, and that's just not true for females females males are so much more complex which is a good thing not a bad thing our computers are more complex today than they were 50 years ago and nobody wants those old 50 year old computers so complex is good complicated is good but it does need to have attention uh, paid to it so but what we've said for many centuries in our culture uh, is the opposite of what we present. And our whole uh, positioning is that sex is designed as a party for the female, mm -hmm. and the male is invited. It's a buy-one-get-one-free ticket, which is cool. Um, but what we've done for many centuries is that sex is about the male. Mm -hmm. The female just needs to kind of show up, be available, spread them. Uh, and then it's all about tab A into slot B, which is on the menu of sexuality, but it's just one little item. And mm -hmm. most people have no concept of that. And even culturally, when someone says, we had sex, that means a certain thing, and everybody knows what it means. It's like, oh, so you put tab A into slot B, and that's our working definition of sex. And people don't realize that, oh, no, no, that's a very small part, any more so than if I went to a restaurant and said and had a salad, and I'm like, oh, well, I had dinner. Well, it might be, but that you don't have to have a salad to have dinner, and you don't have to have an entree to have dinner. There's just such an endless menu, uh, and that's our goal and our dream is that people start getting that, but especially for the female to be awakened to these possibilities because for centuries we have said otherwise.
I think, too, in that arena, because uh, we don't understand even the working of a man's mind and realize that it's always thinking of sex. And for us, that is that's not where our mind goes. Rarely, actually, does our mind go there. And I think what what is sad in all of that is that we have labeled that as something sick, wrong, sinful, bad. We've even created like Sexaholics Anonymous. You know, you're a sex addict because you think about sex all the time. And but we don't talk about it. Right. So if we if we actually talked about this, I think that, you know, men would go, well, yeah, I'm not asking to think about it all the time. I just think about it all the time. And for that to be like, oh, yeah, I think about it all the time, too. And to realize that doesn't make you um, a sex addict, that that you think about wanting to have sex with your wife all the time. And then I think that for women, we resent that. Like you're thinking about it again, you know, and we 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 don't make it any better because we we kind of bring shame on it, too, by going, are you kidding me right now? Again, you know, and it's it, then we feel pressure and, and then it turns this negative instead of realizing, like, I think for us, after many years of pain, we 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 develop and we talk about this in, in late night is sexual friendship mm-hmm. where it's like, you know what? I'm your friend. And and now we can tease about it. And I know he's thinking about it all the time. And, you know, one of the stories we tell in late night is just the difference between when um when I get out of the shower, of course, naked versus when he gets out of the shower naked, you know, I get out of the shower naked, headed to the I'm closet. She's coming on to me. Right. But exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm headed. Yeah. I'm getting the message. Yeah. I'm headed to the to the closet. We have a walk in closet. I'm headed to the closet to go in and get dressed. And his mind immediately goes ding, 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 ding. Yeah, this must be a great opportunity. And he comes after me. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just easy, took a shower. Easy to interpret. And then, you know, so opposite. When he gets out of the shower, it's like I almost don't notice, mm-hmm. you know. And he's headed to the to the walk-in closet, and I'm headed to brush my teeth. Right. Pass right by him. Nothing goes ding, ding, ding in my mind. Right. And I don't think to, to grab him or reach out or even mention it. And it's mm-hmm. never fails that if I'm walking through, headed to the closet, and I'm naked, it's like, oh you were thinking and I'm like no I wasn't thinking hey, sex I'm I'm, I'm, I'm about to get dressed and I'm leaving you know so it can but we laugh about it we tease each other about it but in some marriages it's like you know women lock that bathroom door like I'm not about to get you know naked in front of you because then you're going to be all over me and I can't handle that and so there's just this there's so many underlying pain points in so many people's marriages because there's just a misunderstanding. And almost like, I know in my early years, I just feel so much shame about that, but I would say to Glenn, what's wrong with you? Mm. And of course, a wife that says that enough, the husband goes, there must be something wrong with me. Because who's he going to talk to to go, no, no, this is just a man thing and you're just a woman and you just you just think differently. It's like, no, it, you know, he was so affected by my words and my rejection and my, you know, and then I think I walked around so much as a woman feeling pressure, you know, and it was like never enough. Yeah. And in all fairness and accuracy, because this is my field, um, you know, she said something about that men are always thinking about sex. A lot of guys will take an eight to 10 second break. Uh, several times a day. Okay. So it's not always uh, thinking about sex. Um, but she has mentioned, you know, the male uh, the side. And for the female, is she's not wrong or bad or broken because she's not having sexual thoughts. She's just not. Uh, Phyllis literally can go for an entire day and not have a sexual thought. That's not because she's bad or broken. It's just because she's female. And that's, and again, there's lots of points on the spectrum. Some females are outliers and a little bit different. We're all outliers in some uh, area. But for many years, I thought that she was broken or that she was just mean or mm. just had a bad heart or something, that she was resisting mm. all these sexual urges because all I knew was my experience. And I'm like, oh, I know how humans work. Well, no, 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 that's how male humans mm. function. Yeah. And the female human is very, very different. Well, and I, I know that what also so often that communicates is, uh, well, you just don't turn me on anymore. So then there's that pointing the finger. Yeah, if you were just, if you would actually, you know, lose weight and start working out and get a tan and grow more hair and grow about two feet taller and change your hair color, 
then I would be thinking sex all the time. And it's like, wow, who taught us that? That's a total lie. And it is, it is so shocking how we miss so many of those basic things. And we believe a lie. We believe what is out there in movies and in, you know, magazines and books that are not true. They're just, that's not how it works. That's not how, uh, you know, the body even functions the way it looks in a movie. And, and so, you know, there's just things that we talk about in, in late night that kind of bring all that out. Like, let's talk about this, you know, let's talk about what we are thinking. And I think for a lot of people, especially with what we get back in feedback is that a lot of people that have been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years ago, I've believed this our whole married life. Like I thought that was the problem. You know, I thought that was the truth about our, our marriage and our sexual relationship where that wasn't the truth at all, you know, and that it's that whole, I think we're just broken and, but you don't talk about it because we're not talking about it ever. And so we just, you know, and, and I know sometimes I do, I do break out in a sweat. I'll be honest, because it's not always easy to talk to a bunch of strangers, even in a webinar setting where there are little tiny dots on our screen, but still you're going, I am just saying things that I was not brought up to say. Let right. me just say that. Right. And, uh, you know, I do, I know this is an uncomfortable topic, you know, so I am very sensitive to that and know for a lot of women, it's just like, I don't even know how you say those words. And I'm like, well, I need to say them for your sake. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to talk about orgasms for your sake. And yeah, this is not how I grew up. And this was the pain point of our marriage for so long. But I rather this pain not be your pain. Like I would rather you have an incredible sex life and marriage. So if I can talk about this stuff, I'll talk about this stuff. I have a, it's not off topic, but um, I don't, we haven't covered this. Maybe you go over it in the second and third and fourth late night that we haven't done yet. But um the topic of masturbation. I want to hear some scientific thoughts and just the science behind it. Um, I have my own opinions, but I just want to kind of submit it to you and and let you kind of just explain how that works, why that's such a thing. Because I know in marriages a lot, that's like, oh yeah. I mean, I hear it all the time. People are like, oh yeah, he, you know, he goes and does his thing, and then that keeps him at bay for a couple of days. And I'm like, ew. But um, but I mean, I'm not trying to shame anyone, but. That's that's a very, very common practice within marriages. Mm. Obviously, it's common in singles. I know there's a lie that women don't struggle with it or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I just want to kind of hear how that works in our brains and, and why that's such an alluring thing and, and, and why we go for it. What, wait, say the last part. What, what do you mean why it's such an alluring thing? What does that mean? I guess alluring is my way of saying, like, why, do, why is it so common um, – that this is a struggle or this is a way that people like self-satisfy. Right. Yeah. Because they don't know how to be connected sexually. Uh, and let me reference back what Phyllis was talking about earlier that we did sex seminars. Uh, what was that? 13 years ago, 14 years ago, we stopped doing them because we were just kind of uh, puzzled. And the piece we were missing was emotional connection. And this is why when we do late night, when people register for late night, they're required to do the prerequisite of the Connection Codes webinar because we have to lay that foundation. Sex is so vulnerable. It's you at your core. So we have to make sure that people have a level of safety emotionally because they're going to touch on things that are overwhelming and so vulnerable, so authentic. And if they don't have emotional safety with each other, they're not going to be able to do this uh, successfully. So then fast forward to the whole, what you're talking about as far as masturbation, uh, couples don't know how to be sexually connected. And just like you referenced that, oh, well, if he just goes and masturbates, it'll keep, I think you said keep him at bay, you know, for a couple of days because they're not sexually connected. So this is a adversarial thing. And again, every couple's unique, but typically it's the male that's far more uh, driven sexually. So he's wanting to be involved sexually. And that phrase sells for her to go, oh, I can keep him at bay and so they have no uh, safety they don't have the deep uh, certainly dynamic sexual connection so that sounds like a great idea as a clinical sexologist I don't care if people are masturbating I'm not concerned about that uh, and scientifically we know that that's not uh, a problem in and of itself it's the shame that goes with it it's the hiddenness 
the secrecy of it that actually becomes uh, damaging. Uh, I'm as far as I don't care if people scratch their elbow, I don't care if they rub their head, and I don't care if they masturbate. That's their body; they can do with it what they want. Uh, but I want them to be able to be open and uh, vulnerable with each other. And that's usually what that grows out of, is that there's no safety in their sexual uh, interaction, their sexual uh, activity, their sexual connection. And so then he ends up going off by himself. Again, sometimes the woman's like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad, you know, have at it. At least he'll leave me alone, you know, for a day or two or whatever. Uh, and that just reflects the the – uh, lack of sexual connection that they have. So, and again, I'm not concerned at all. I'm not worried about it if a male or female is masturbating, but I want to make sure that they're able to be vulnerable, be authentic, uh, and have a dynamic sexual connection. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. Well, I don't know. I th you know, I think that sometimes with topics like that, uh, we have already prejudged them. We already have a pretty strong opinion, and we put them in that category of, you know, is this right or wrong? Instead of just looking at the, 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 the science behind them. And there's so many things like we were talking about this recently that I thought was really good that when we are hurting, when we have, uh, within our emotional makeup, when we have things that we are not processing, we're not working through, we're not getting help for, we find some kind of outlet to, I don't know, pacify that hurt. Uh, for some people, it becomes uh, alcohol. They find a friend in alcohol. So then um, it, and then there are those who look at that and judge and go, well, no one should ever drink a drop of alcohol because it, you can become an alcoholic. And it's like, okay, you just jumped from one to an extreme, but what is that extreme? It's so often it's that person who has no other connection in their lives. Their best friend is the alcohol. It's the Jack Daniel in their life. Mm -hmm. And and that becomes the only way they know how to cope day to day with things that are stirring within their brain and their heart, and they're not processing that stuff. So it's like we kind of look at certain topics and we were talking about this recently um, and it came through a, a book that I was reading that's actually an I'm fascinated it's it's someone an older man now I think he just turned 70 who's been running on the Miami Beach for 30 40 years every day never misses a day and what was fascinating about that is he later on in life got uh, he's diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder on that spectrum and that he does, he cannot miss a day. Even if he is deathly ill or if he has cut his foot, foot horribly, he has to go out and run. It's for him. It's like he has not another way of processing his, his childhood trauma, his emotions, his lack of connection. And so he's built this whole community around him of just runners. So we were talking about that. You can do things in extreme but if you look at someone who is a avid runner but runs excessively, like like one of those ultra marathon, you know, just runs extreme, and then you look at an alcoholic, you judge them very differently. You go, the runner's good, the alcoholic is bad. And so we have this judgment thing that we so quickly, and that's, I think, for masturbation, we throw that in and we go, oh, that's wrong. And we just go, well, wait a minute, let's let's talk about that on a different level. Like what's happening in the, to me, each person, each marriage, each individual, it's like, let's talk about what's going on with that individual. You know, has this become an obsession for them because they are hurting so much in this other area of their life? And I think that sometimes, especially when we sit on our high horse, it's easy to judge people and go, well, that's definitely wrong. Well, that's easy for you to say because you don't struggle with that. So let's get down to what you struggle with. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a shopaholic, but, you know, that's okay because that doesn't fit on anybody's list of, you know. But yet for some people that shopaholic stuff, you go, you've ruined your credit. You have, you're, you, you are about to lose your house because you can't stop buying stuff. So it's like, okay, why, why are you turning to that? And uh, we had a dear friend whose husband was killed in a motorcycle wreck it was devastating we lived through that trauma with her she became a shopaholic 
That was how she dealt with her pain. After a year of doing that, she actually opened up a boutique and sold all the clothes that she had bought. But she, that was for her, how she dealt with all the trauma and all the, the pain. And it's like, wow, I, I cannot even imagine. I've never lost my spouse. I cannot imagine in that kind of traumatic way. I cannot even imagine. But it's like we are quick to judge mm-hmm. on certain things because I don't, I don't struggle with that, so I can judge mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And specifically on uh, masturbation, uh, it's actually an incredible benefit for the female to know how to pleasure herself because she's going to be his teacher. And for most men that I've ever sat with, and I've sat with thousands, they're semi-clueless about how to pleasure this woman, how to love her, uh, you know, how to benefit her sexually. Well, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. So if the female knows her own body, how to pleasure herself, she can convey to her partner what works for her. The male's different. It doesn't take too long. I mean, give it 10 minutes and you're probably good. And it's going to work the same the next time and the next time and the next time. Females are not like that. Uh, there's so many more ingredients that come into play for the female than is true for uh, the male. So uh, she needs to know. Uh, and I've never sat with a couple once they establish emotional safety where masturbation is an issue, that it actually becomes a fun, adventurous uh, thing and again, I've never sat with the male who doesn't love the idea of even getting to watch his partner uh, masturbate. It's very erotic, very uh, thrilling. So it actually can be a great benefit. The problem with it is when it's a disconnector, uh, when it's done in secrecy, when it's hidden. Uh, and and again, that's kind of the typical. Uh, Phyllis and I are faith based, so we grew up in that uh, you know mentality, in that setting, and it's kind of always approached that way. That it's this mm-hmm. hidden. Uh, dirty thing. Well, it doesn't have to be at all. It actually can be uh, a beautiful experience uh, uh, together. So that's our goal. Yeah, I love that. And I I think there are so many things like this because we're not talking about it that, you know, and and I like what you say as well is it's like, okay, just because it doesn't work, you know, for us or it doesn't work for them doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, And yeah, I think it's, it always comes back to check your motive. What is the motive mm-hmm. here? Where, where are right, you doing right, this? Right. What, where's your heart in yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And, and once you're honest with yourself, I mean, yeah. whether it's shop, and that's a huge one. I mean, mm. we can't, we don't have time to go down that whole role, but, mm. but yeah, I think especially in a faith-based culture, oh, I mean, that's never, that's never talked about, you know, mm. those types of, those coping mechanisms right. that are socially acceptable and even, I mean, yeah. you can build an Instagram following around your shopaholic. Yeah. I mean, and right, you can yeah. get famous over it. And yeah. and I'm not yeah. trying to shame it again. It's just, um, it's really interesting the things that we deem good and bad. Mm-hmm. And we're so quick to say, that's good, that's yeah, bad, yeah. that's bad, that's yeah. good. Well, what is the intention of it? Why did God give us right. these desires? And, and then how do we move through them in a way that's mm. not, you know, going to destroy who yeah. we are emotionally? Yeah, another fundamental protocol we cover on late night is that this couple's sexual interaction is for their benefit, no one else's. There are two people on the planet that get to vote on what they do sexually, and it's the two of them. And what we have done for centuries is we said, oh, no, 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 we've got some kind of international board of sexual practices or something. You know, We don't know where they're headquartered, but we're pretty sure they exist. And we're all going to vote and decide together what Brooke and Cameron get to do. No, only Brooke and Cameron. Uh, is that going to look different than what Phyllis and Glenn do? Maybe, probably, I have no idea, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's another phrase we use a lot is, I'm not going to be there, I'm not going to buy the video. So it doesn't matter to me what Cam and Brooke do as long as they're sexually connected, as long as they have fun together. Uh, are there things that some couples are doing, and you know, I'm a clinical sexologist, so I sit with couples and talk about sex every day, all day. Are there some things that they're doing that I go, oh, well, that kind of singed my eyebrows a little bit to hear about that. <laughs> well, there might be, but I don't get a vote on it. I'm not going to be there, I'm not going to buy the video. It doesn't matter but that also means they don't get to vote on what I do. And we've done very much the opposite for many centuries where we're like, no, 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 we're, we have a box and you better not step outside that box or mm-hmm. else. And we don't know what the or else is. You're going to hell or you'll be damned or ex- excommunicated or something. We don't know, but we're just certain that there's this box and you have to be very, very careful mm-hmm. not to step outside of that box. Wow. Well, I know we, I just want to respect your time. Um, is there anything else that has come to mind, things that you want to talk about, mention? let some of the listeners know well i think uh just as in conclusion you know we love these opportunities we love when people say will you 
be on our podcast or our Instagram live or we love every opportunity to talk about this and we're super thankful. You know, the web, the webinars came around or came about because of the coronavirus. We were only doing workshops and we had a live event planned in California, got shut down last March and the, 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 um, they asked us to do it in a webinar style. So it's a kind of a cool story how we ended up here now almost a year later doing webinars. Um, but we love every opportunity to talk about this and we share very openly our own story uh, we are pretty transparent in our everyday life. You know, if you follow us on Instagram at Connection Codes, you know, right now we're doing a 30-day challenge of doing the core emotion wheel live every day in real time. Like as in talking about the, you hurt me earlier today when you said this, you know, it's like we're saying this and, 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 I, and we believe in this because we believe in authenticity and we believe in honesty. And um, and I think that that shows, that comes through when people do the webinars, when people uh, interview us, that, you know, we are very transparent because we know that's, what's, that's what works. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not here to just preach a sermon. We're not here to even just talk about what happened five years ago. Mm -hmm. It's very much in real time. And, and I think that is what really helps people. And I think it's great when you have a testimony that like five years ago, your life was transformed. That's wonderful. Believe in that. And we do reference our beginning days. So, you know, we do talk about that, but we also know that we've got to be real right now. Mm. And that if we have, you know, have had a conflict or if we've had, uh, you know, a tense moment, we talk about it because that's what people say makes such a difference and that we are here and uh, we are real and we don't mind saying that, you know. And so the tools are incredibly simple. They're not always easy, but they're really simple. And so we've not made this complicated. It's something you can take, you can learn quickly, you can use, see immediate results, and then you can pass them on to your friends, which is really cool. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for the way you guys have been authentic. And it does, it's, the transparency is not easy. And so I just want to commend you for, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just your vocation, it's your everyday life. And everyone, it's like you're a, in a fishbowl and everyone can see it all. And, and that's a lot. And so I just want to commend mm -hmm. you for that. But also, um, I do want to mention how people can find you because I know mm -hmm. some of my listeners will just, you know, podcast a year later and they're finding it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you are sky your son was telling me the goal is to do connection codes every month this year mm -hmm. uh, uh, except for december um and then just tell us again you said at connection codes on instagram but kind of give us where we can find you um and and what yeah. else is kind of going on yeah. so uh right now the website is drglennhill.com uh we're actually hoping to be changing that so but if you follow connection codes you'll always see what's happening the book is about to come out which is super exciting wow. been working on that for it seems like ever forever but uh and then you know glenn has a private practice um and sees patients both in his office and through zoom so that's wonderful because there are times when you're just stuck and you go, I need help right now. I, you know, I don't need just a webinar. I need someone to hear my, my story, and, and I'm really stuck. So that's amazing that he has that. And um, I think that, you know, I love that about m just everything that's, you can Google anything, right? So it's, if you remember the name, you know, Dr. Glenn Hill, you'll find all of this. Uh, if you remember connection codes, you'll find all of this. And we have... In February, we have a, a singles webinar, and then we have what we call just the Connection Codes Foundation. And then once you've gone through that, uh, you know, the foundation, then you're able to do the late night uh, about sex. In March, we're doing one on parenting and um, the foundation one as well. And every month, we will offer a foundation, which is open to singles and marrieds, but m the stories and it's more geared towards um, partner pairs where we're, we're really excited about the singles because this will be very much talking straight to singles and the, the things that they are in the middle of and the things that are important to them. So yeah, yeah. I do want to mention, I referenced it before, but Phyllis and I are so passionate about this because we live it. We are blown away every day. There's still times to this day where 
you know, we go through it because our tense moments usually last 30 seconds or less. If you had told me that 25 years ago, I would not have believed that because we lived in three-week mm. conflicts. We lived in, you know, days and days and days of disconnection and pain when we had no idea. We thought that, well, this is just marriage, and I was pretty pissed off at whoever invented marriage. We're faith-based, and we believed it came from God, and we're like, this is just a bad joke. Who, who, would, who would be this cruel, you know, because I would not have wished it on anybody, that, that pain. And that's our dream uh, for Global Quest so that we change uh, our whole perspective, certainly in marriage, but all relationships. But the the beauty of the connection codes is the simplicity mm-hmm. of it. It blows my mind how mm-hmm. simple this is. You don't have to go get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it literally, we want it to be different an hour later. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. most modern marriage therapy, I'm a marriage therapist, so I can talk about us, uh, but is clinician-driven. Uh, and it's a business model, and I want you to have to come back to me to keep my business going. Mm-hmm. Our dream is that you don't need me, wow. that this is what you implement yourselves, and you're going to share it with your friends who will never even know me. They'll, yeah. It has nothing to do uh, with me. And that's our passion in this is that this becomes, it's already you know grassroots and organic, but that it just spreads because if I pour a bucket of water into the ocean every day for a lifetime, I've made no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can get this, that it's friend to friend, there are people that you can reach that I would have no capability mm-hmm. of reaching. And that's our dream is that this just becomes uh, an incredible spider web of people who know people who know people uh, because all of us need this. It, uh, mm-hmm. I can sit with people all over the world and marriage is pretty much gone. I mean, around, as far as I know, around the world. Marriage is, mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody's marrying anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. all you got to do is, it doesn't take you long to research it and go, huh, how well is this working? Well, probably 80 to 90% are unsuccessful. Well, I'm not going to buy that car because it has a 90% unsuccess mm-hmm. rate. Right. So, again, who's buying these cars? Now, I'm faith-based. I believe God put marriage in the heart of us, and that's why. Because every culture ever uh, that we know of has uh, practiced and celebrated uh, marriage. So I think it's within us. But I don't get why, especially younger people, are marrying because uh, all they have to do is look around and go, this is a bad idea. <laughs> I'm not sure what the good idea is, but I know that's a bad idea because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And Phyllis not married, having never seen successful relationships, having wow. never seen one where we want, oh, we want some of that. Wow. Everything we saw, we're like, well, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. And we knew what we didn't want, but we didn't know what how to do what we uh, did want. It took us a long time wow. to get there. And it doesn't have to take that long for people. We're the slow kids mm. yeah. in the group. And um, we want people to have the tools so that they, number one, never experience the level of pain that we experienced. And number two, that they're successful early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Wow. You guys carry a lot of humility because mm. most marriage therapists would never do this model of business. Like you're working yourself out of a job basically. <laughs> and well, uh, seven and a half billion people on the planet. So we've got a bit. Of yeah. Work. You got, you got some work to do, <laughs> but also as someone who's really passionate about family mm. and, and I mean, Cam and I are a very, very, like we are a minority in the fact that both of our parents are married and have, I mean, great, I, in my, to my knowledge, great marriages. Yeah. And, and, wow. you know, my parents always were like, you know, Having a husband is fun. Mm. They even talked about wow. sex at home, which, I mean, not like so in detail, but it, I knew that my parents were still flirting and mm. they were still having fun. And mm. Cam's parents, I mean, uh, they're like saints. It's just insane. Mm. So we have something to build off of that mm. I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Um, and so these tool sets with the legacy of our families mm. is just like, I'm so grateful because, mm. I mean, I never had to walk through divorce of my parents or sexual abuse or any of these things mm. that put you know, put people at a place where like, oh, I don't even know how I'll ever enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'll ever enjoy marriage. Like, it's just not going to happen. So what you guys are doing is, is groundbreaking, and I'm just really happy to be a little piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. and just to sit with you and, yeah. and to have time me, with you. Let me throw this in here, too. I'm sorry. I'm no, you're, I mean, you're fine. Uh, but it's just stunning to me uh, what Phyllis and I share sexually, and mm-hmm. our culture says that's not a thing. You know, these these two young people are hot and horny and they're going to be turned on for whatever, six months, two years, and then it's going to dissipate into some level of whatever, complacency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we're in our late 50s. I had no idea. And our culture does not say that this is a thing. No. Uh, we're picking up speed. And that startles me that when you 
put this dynamic sexual connection together ba- built on emotional connection, I mean, it becomes slightly illegal. And I just had no idea that this could be a thing. And again, our culture says, oh, that couple, they're in their whatever, 40s, 50s. Yeah, that, that sex stuff, it, you know, dissipated a long time ago. Wow. But to realize, you know, no, it's picking up speed. We're starting to get good at this. Which is <laughs> So if you're really 40, cool. 50, 60, this yeah. is, you're not counted out. So, yeah, wow. Funny. I'm just, I'm enamored by you guys. Mm. Just really, truly. Yeah. So thank you. We're enamored with each other, so <laughs> that's it great. Works. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you for great this opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah.